So as we get as we get started this week, um, and we're kind of in at that place that we've been. I, I know quite a few have been looking forward to uh, the angels and demons study, which is where we're going to be at today. Um, we're going to be looking at a couple of different places in in scripture. Um, afterwards, so we're going to try to cover this, like I'd mentioned uh, previously. We're going to try to cover this in in in, in two parts, possibly three parts. Um, we're going to cover angels specifically today. Next week, we're going to start looking at uh, demons, and then we're either going to wrap Satan up in the demon study, or we're, we may we may kind of set that out um, for a for a third kind of part to this. Um, one thing that I want to that I personally want to be careful of doing is is staying away from speculation. There's lots of interesting things that we could speculate about when it comes to like spiritual reality in general. Um, what I want to do is I want us to to look and see what can we find from Scripture itself. Um, uh, there's there's clear spiritual realities that God makes us aware of, um, and and. The the thing is, I think that happens to us a lot of times is that we'll get a glimpse at something that's interesting and then it's mysterious and then we want to know more about it because we're curious about it. And I think there's a there's a potential danger when when our curiosity leads us into places that Scripture doesn't give us maybe footing for. Um, so so like I say, we're going to try to stick very close to Scripture today. Um, I'm going to do my best not to speak more than what Scripture itself says. Uh, on these things, so um, we're going to be. Let's do. Let's do this. Let's kind of. I want us to open up. So the uh, kind of give us. A, I want to give us a general idea of of what we know. What we're going to kind of see as we kind of look at all the different places in the scripture. Um, here, here's here's something that, that this is kind of a big idea that we're gonna that we're gonna get that we can come to these conclusions as we look at what we find in. In Scripture, as as Scripture speaks towards uh, spiritual beings, angelic beings, um, angels are created. I want to start there. Um, I think a lot of times, some of the some of the like, so if, if Satan is a fallen angel and angels are created, I think a lot of times, like what happens when we start thinking about these things is that is that is that. From what I hear, a lot of people. When I hear people speaking about Satan specifically, there is there is a a tendency to elevate the abilities and powers of Satan close to the abilities and powers of God. And there is there is I, like I can't warn you enough against that, right? So what happens is is that culturally, like if you were to ask a lot of Christians, I like just. In, in general, I think that, that many Christians, if you were to ask them, would probably think that Satan was co-eternal with God. Like there was some eternal struggle between good and evil that's existed. If you just go back it, it, infinitely into the past, that you would always find this struggle with good and evil. And that's just not the, <clears throat> that's not the case. Satan is... Yeah, exactly, right? And and that's what happens that's what happens a lot of times when we think about Satan is that is as we start getting false ideas about Satan where we're starting to attribute attributes of God to Satan just the negative of those attributes, then we get into a very dangerous place. So like Satan is not equal with God. He's not equal opposites, 
right? He's not a God. He's not God-like. Like, He is a created being. So when we consider like that all of the angels, that, that all that exists other than the eternal, uncreated God is a created thing that God created, right? And when we get that, then what we, then, then what we can clearly see is that God has authority over His creation, just like a, just like a painter has authority over his painting, just like a potter has authority over the pots that he makes, like God has authority over all of His creation, right? Because God created it. And Satan did not somehow after creation rise up to become equals with God, right? This is not something that's happened either. Like, like, so I, I want us to kind of start with that idea that angels are created. They're spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, right? So like, like whenever, whenever we say that, so angels are created, they're like us. We are created beings. They're spiritual beings with moral judgment, like us. We are spiritual beings, so we have physical bodies. We're spiritual beings with moral judgment, and they have high degree of intelligence, right? Like, so they, like, when we consider that in many ways, like, they are like us in their capacity to think and reason and plan and scheme. Um, I would go so far as to say, um, due to the nature of their the way that they exist that it's that it's in all likelihood possible that they can achieve levels of intelligence that far surpass what we can gain in you know a hundred or less year lifespan right um so um, they're, they have, they have, they take moral action. They have moral judgment. They are highly intelligent, um, but they lack physical bodies, right? Like they don't. Their normal state of being is not to exist as we exist um, in bodies. Though we'll find at different places in Scripture that you look, it, it's clear that God can make angels visible to us like we see many places in scripture we even see in the new testament where we're told like as you're entertaining strangers like some of you have entertained angels unaware so it's it's clear that there's that 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 god can um uh embody at least temporarily his messengers that he sends so um, we'll see that kind of as it plays out, but but by and large, the most part, um, angels exist in a spiritual reality that is that is not something that we see with our with our physical eyes, um, but does have um, impact in the world around us, right? Like they like they can work to shape your thoughts if you if you let them. Like this is the spiritual warfare, um, and by shaping individuals, they can shape they can shape like cultures. Right, they they move like that. I would say like if we look at like what's going on, spiritual warfare is cultural warfare, right? Like it's shaping of cultures. Um, I think this happens. I think the the church should be engaging in these areas as well. Um, so with that, with those with those things in mind, I want us to look at at, at a couple of places in the scripture. So angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment, high intelligence, but without physical bodies. Let's look. Um, flip with me to Genesis chapter uh, two. We're going to look at a couple of different places because, like I say, um, it's. You get very little detail in in Scripture, and this is because this is one of those areas which God shows us these realities, but he's but it's not pertinent to what he's trying the point that he's trying to get across with Scripture itself. So he doesn't he doesn't feel necessary to go into tons of details about well this happened in in this spiritual reality, then this event and this event and this was said. Like we don't get those kind of pictures. Um, 
So we're, we're going to kind of do kind of a cumulative argument when we look at how Scripture speaks of all creation to, to come to the point to where we realize, yeah, like it, it makes sense that angels are created because God created um, God created everything. Um, so Genesis chapter two. Let me flip there real quick. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to go through a couple of these pretty quickly. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So 2, 1, like we get this picture that when God's work is done, his work of creation is done, um, that all the hosts of the heavens and the earth... Um, were were created by him here. So God, in in kind of the early chapters of Genesis, kind of the creation narrative here, um, we see where God excludes nothing from this from this work of creation. If we flip to Gen, uh, excuse me to Exodus chapter twenty, um, we're going to kind of build build on this this idea. A couple of passages of text, kind of that that kind of clear up some of these ideas for us. So Genesis chapter 20 and we're going to be looking here at uh, verse 11. Yeah, yeah, excuse me. And here I went here I went jumping to Genesis chapter 20. Yes, Exodus chapter 20. Thank you. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. So when he's speaking about the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, does he exclude anything from that? Like, is there anything excluded in this? So does 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 Scripture at any point, in any place, speak to the eternality of spiritual beings? Nowhere, right? So what leads us then, when we're led there, to just assume that they're eternal, right? Because that's that's what we would have to do to get there. Scripture in no, way, in no place speaks to them being co-eternal with God, but time and time again, as we're going to see, it speaks to God's work of creation and the exclusion of nothing from that, right? Um, flip to uh, Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter chapter 9. So Nehemiah chapter 9, we're going to be looking here at verse 6. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. You are the Lord... You alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, in the sea or the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all, and the hosts of heaven worship you. Right? So like what I want us to get here is because what we see a couple of different times when it speaks of heaven, it speaks of hosts. 
right? And you could you could con- you could consider the hosts of heaven is that the stars is that the galaxies? Like there's a yes that we could that we could say to that. But I think that that time and time again, like we we get scripture when we look at scripture as a whole, we get some clarity to what is what is intended by this. Um, so here we're, we see that the heaven the heavens of heavens and all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it. So like like the 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 chaining together of these thoughts, right? The heavens and their hosts, the earth and all that is on it. Like he's not speaking about. I mean, here specifically speaking about like the created creatures that would be like us, the seas and all that is in them. That would be the 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 seas creatures that are in them, and you preserve all of them. So the hosts of heaven, the creatures on earth, the creatures in the sea. Who preserves them? Who holds them in existence? God does. God does. Right. So in any given in any given moment, all of creation is held together. And this these there's, these are ideas that we've covered in previous in previous lessons. Right. I just want us to make sure that we're applying this here as well. Like all creation exists because God spoke it into existence, and it it is sustained by His power in sustaining it. Right. What is excluded from that? Like what? What if he were to to withhold his sustaining power would remain in existence? Would Satan? Would the demons? Would the angels? Like, is there any is there anything in all of God's creation that has attained a level of power that now it does not depend on the God that created it? No. Nothing. So there's there. Here's what. Here's like as we consider this, as we think about this, and we know the character of God. We know that God's wise. We know that God's powerful. We know that God has a plan because time and time again throughout Scripture, He tells us this. When 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 Satan comes against us, right? If all of if all of of all the the fallen angels in hell were to place their their eyes on us and intend evil for us, and God desires it not, what happens? Right? Though they lay snare and trap before us, who's in control of the places that we place our feet? Right? God is totally, totally, in the same way that I can't take breath without Him, nor can Satan, nor can either any of the ones who fell alongside Him. Right? They only exist because He allows their existence. Right? And he, 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 in His wisdom, because this is the only conclusion that would make sense if this is the case, He, in His wisdom, has seen fit for that to be. Right? So they have not risen up and now things are out of control, right? Again, as we consider this, as we consider their place in creation, God's allowing them to exist. We know He's wise. We know He sees the end from the beginning. There's nothing that can come upon us that we can say, God, you're out of control here, right? There's nothing. No matter how good or bad, right? Because He holds all things in existence, right? He does. He alone, right? And you preserve all of them, and the hosts of heaven worship you. Uh, let's flip to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 148.
Psalm 148. I'm going to read 1 through 5 here. Praise the So this is Psalm 148.1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created right so when he's listing out when he's listing out the heavens the heights the angels the hosts the sun the moon the stars the highest heavens, the waters above the head. Like, when he's listing out all of these things, and then he goes into this, praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Right? So, so when we go, when we run back through this list, angels are part of that list that he includes here when he speaks of him having created them, right? Um, so let's flip now to, uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start looking at verse 15, and then we'll probably read through 17. So Colossians 1, I'll give you a second to get there. Verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created. How many things? All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him. And how does that verse end? Through Him and what? For Him. Right? So if, if all that's been created was created for Him, what, is that, what does that mean for us? It's for His purposes, right? For His praise. For His glory. So all that was created was created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. I think Scripture is perfectly clear in telling us that He is the Creator. Everything else is the created. And everything created holds its existence or the the reason for its existence in Him. And the, the reason for its existence from first to last in Him. Right? He It holds together in Him. Right, so when we think about angels, one of the one of the first things that I want us to to get clear is that they are not equal or even close to being equals with God. They are closer in their in their existence to us than they are to God by long shot. Right? By so angels are not like if we're looking on a scale and God is on one end and like rocks are on another end, right? Like you got inanimate things on one end and then you've got the creator of all things on the other. And then we were walking down this scale. So so we, we take we take one step and there's created beings, right? Including us, including the angels, including Satan, which is one of the angels. Like they're down here. Not even close 
to the side of the scale that is God. And all of that gap in between is empty. Right? Everything. Right? Like, we are not close to Him and His being. Right? But where have I read somewhere that we are really even above the angels? So there will, yes. Yeah, so like, so, so right now, and, and there's, place, there's places in Scripture, um, right now we are, we are a bit lower than, than the angels. But there will be a day in which we judge the angels, like New Testament points towards this type of thing, which, again, it doesn't give us a ton of detail there. Like, judge for, judge for what? Like, you know, like there's not a ton, ton of detail that's, that's given to us in that particular thing. But, but we get this idea, and we're going to see this as we kind of press on. Like, we experience a reality that, that the angels long to look for. Right? Like they they enjoy looking on the work that God is doing in mankind, right? Like it it brings joy to them when a sinner comes to Christ. Right? And and this is one of those things, like as we consider, like as I consider, why would God show us angels and demons in Scripture? Like it seems like He could do that and that all be hidden, right? When we get this picture of like the fallen angels and then the angels that, that are constantly around His throne worshiping, when we see this and I consider this, I'm like, what's like what what value do I get as a believer seeing these things exist? And I think there's a I think there's a couple. One of the main Major ones that I consider is that we oftentimes, when we think about God and what God owes us, like we have taken the grace of God for granted in many ways, right? What do I mean by that? Is that we think that any given person is owed or due salvation. And the angels stand in stark contrast to this. Because not one fallen angel is given the opportunity for repentance. God owes them nothing. And, and, and had He left humanity in the same state as the fallen angels, He would have in no way been unjust. In no way would He have been unjust. In no way could one fallen creature look to Him and say, You're unfair. Right? How do we know this? Look to the fallen angels who He has not offered salvation to and will not offer salvation to. We get no picture in Scripture to where He's extending the work of Christ to them. Right? Like this is like so when the when the angels that have not fallen look upon this work that God is doing, they marvel. Right? And when the angels who have fallen look at this work, they see God making an open spectacle of their own rebellion. Right? Like, Scripture, scripture points us to these things. Um, so, uh, alongside the angels, um, we find other um, spiritual beings spoken of. Now, these some, some would classify these beings um, as kind of maybe like called out names of... or called out names of types of angels, right? Um, but you wouldn't necessarily have to classify all of them as that. Um, we do find um, other heavenly beings that are not specifically spoken and called angels um, in Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. Flip there real quick. Again, we get these like like name drops, but not always do we get tons of details around these um, 
so I, I think about Moses as he's writing this as he's writing this book, and and it's, this is kind of he's he's kind of getting his feet wet into writing scripture, um, and he's aware of some kind of reality through the the through God making this this known to him. Um, then in Genesis chapter three verse uh, twenty four, we find him uh, saying he drove out the man. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a floating sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And then it's like, well, let's just move on. <laughs> and every one of us are like, hold on, pump the brakes for a second. What is this that you speak of floating swords and cherubim? Like, there's no, there's no prior details that are given. Like, what exactly is a cherubim, right? Like, like, but it's like, he's like, move on. Move on. It's like this is not the major detail that that you should be looking towards here, but they exist, right? So like, so so cherubim is one thing that we see spoken of. Seraphim. Let's let's look at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter six, and we're going to see another like creature that's spoken of. There's a couple, and it's no surprise that that a lot of these come in prophetic prophetic books. Like just to throw to the confusion of what prophecy is all about, we're going to name drop these uh, spiritual <laughs> spiritual beings along the way. Um, so Isaiah, if you flip there, um, if you flip to Isaiah chapter six, uh, we're going to be looking here at verses two uh, and three, or. Actually, we'll go, we'll go through seven. So, so Isaiah chapter th- chapter six. Let's let's look in. Um, we'll just start in one. So, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, and high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called. To another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And he said, and, and I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal. And that he had taken uh, with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, uh, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. So again, here in Scripture, we, we see another kind of picture of these uh, creatures that are called seraphim here. We see that they that they move to and fro, that they they speak here in the latter part of verse seven. There, one thing that I that as I look at this and as I consider that I want to that I want to point that I want to point out, um, consider what it means to be without a sin. Right, like it's hard for us to consider that, isn't it? Because all of us have sinned. We know we know what it's like to to repent. And to, to follow in faith and the Holy Spirit be sanctifying us. We don't know what it is to have never sinned, right? Like, I think, had we, had, have we understood what that experience was, then, and partly we would know what the seraphim are like, right? Because they would be part of the ones that weren't cast down. They did not rebel. They, they have not sinned, right? So, as I consider what we see take place here, like what we see these these sinless beings doing, 
Right? What do we see? What do we see? Let's read it again. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Right? What, 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 is it, what, are we, what picture are we getting when, when they're flying around the throne of God, covering their face, and with two, uh, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. So, so they're covering their feet, they're covering their faces, they're flying around the throne, and they're crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. But hold on a second. Hold on a second. Angels, y'all haven't sinned, so aren't y'all likewise holy? But here's what, here's what they know. Is that their being, their existence, their essence, is not like the God that they cry out three times, holy, holy, holy for. Right? So, so spotless is not the same as what God is. He is somehow worthy of a greater worship than simply not having sin. Because these sinless beings cover their faces and feet out of reverence and cry out, Holy, Holy, Holy. They do not see themselves anywhere close to being equals. Do they? Because when we see ourselves as being equals, I'm not covering my face out of reverence. I'm not covering my feet out of reverence. Like they're doing that out of reverence and respect. And then they cry out to Him, Holy, Holy, Holy. So as we consider these angels who or these uh, seraphim uh, who have not sinned, who have not fallen, and the actions that they take, how is it so oftentimes that we do not have that same type of reverence for the God that we serve? When we know, when we know what it is to have fallen and to receive grace right and yet and yet we we find ourselves so oftentimes um not showing near the reverence that they uh, that they show here uh let's flip to the book of ezekiel real quick we're going to see another this is another one of those interesting places so uh ezekiel we're going to be looking here uh ezekiel chapter one we're going to look at verses 5 through uh, 14. And from the midst, so Ezekiel chapter chapter 1, 5 through 14. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. But each had four faces, and each of them had four wings, and their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled with like burnished bronze, and under their wing under their wings on their four sides they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings thus, their wings touched one another, each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, the four had the face of an eagle. Uh, which is where their, um, such were their faces and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of the other, and while two covered, uh, while two covered their bodies. 
and each went straight forward. Wherever the, the Spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As, the, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro uh, like the appearance uh, of a flash <clears throat> of lightning. So we get this again. We get Scripture gives us this other this this picture of this other type of being, which it just calls living creatures here, um, and they seem to be unlike any other creatures that we uh, that we encounter throughout the rest of, of Scripture. Like there's something going on about them here. We don't get a ton of details, and I would say even the details that we get are confusing at best, right? Like it had it was it looked like a human except it had four faces. Okay. I can't picture a human in my mind that that makes sense to say it looked like a human and then it had four faces. It looked like it had a human face and then it had the face of, you know, like like an ox. It had the face of a lion. It had the face of an eagle and the face of it like that. Like I'm like, I can't even picture that in my mind. And then if I tried to draw that picture out for, for you, you're not going to say, oh, yeah, that looks like a human. Right? <laughs> it's the appearance of a man, right? Like So like we get this picture in Scripture. Um, so what? What I would what I would say here is this: like when we see these types of things, like one thing that we should that we should get is that there, there is a reality that exists beyond us that our words would fail in describing, right? Like when we look at if this is the best effort that you can give to describe a thing, then your words have failed in describing that thing, right? Like, can we agree? Can we agree that when you say, "Well, it looks like a person," right? So, like, if I'm getting my kids, if you're describing, like, you're a witness at an event, and they're like, well, "What happened?" and you start saying, "Like, well, it looked like a person," and accepted, like, the person had, like, you know, the face of an ox, and the, like, you're going to very quickly lose credibility because they're going to be like, "You did not see what you think you saw here," right? Like, like you are, or that are your, that are your crazy. Um, so we see this, these kind of pictures, and and when we see this. Like one of the things like we should like that should be like when we see this, there sh- it should uh, like kind of like invoke a sense of wonder in us that there is something that we've yet to lay our eyes on that we could not explain um, that we could not explain the detail of. There are beings that God has created um, that that we have yet to lay our eyes on um, that when we see it, we would be amazed of it. But I would warn you against trying to dig too much into it right like if you're if you're trying to like dig a ton into these things like they're it, scripture that's it it gives you this like you get this picture of it and it looks like this and it's like anything that you would go down from that any digging around um that you would go you would probably get very quickly into the land of speculation um so uh let's progress on of all that we think about of all that we think and know about angels you know what's so crazy about this we know that there's multitudes and multitudes of angels we can see this if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 33 and 2 I'm just going to kind of mention these for the sake of y'all having heard them we're not going to jump there uh, but there are multitudes of angels countless number of angels you would see like Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 um, speaking of like innumerable you know like 
like we would not be able to count the hosts of heaven type things. Same type of thing if you look in the book of Revelation, chapter five, verse eleven. You're going to get this idea that there's like that there's this untold number of angelic beings. So like there's this reality that encompasses beings much like us, except without bodies at all. And you know what I find most fascinating when I consider that is that in all of Scripture there's these thousands upon thousands of spiritual beings that exist, and we know the name of only two. Right? There's only two in all of Scripture that Scriptures at that moment felt the need to give us names, right? But all of them have names, undoubtedly, right? All of them have work and task and reason for being, right? Like there's something that God created them for, some purpose in doing it. And yet what we find is that in Scripture we only get the names of two. We get Gabriel and we get Michael. So if we were to flip to the book of Daniel, I want us to look kind of quickly at these uh, at these uh, at places that we see these these names. But if you doubt that there's that it's only the two, go and look through all the scripture, and I think what you'll find is that we really only get the name of two of these uh, angelic beings in in all of scripture. So, so, and, and, and we get the idea that there's some type of rank or order amongst them because we do get these, like, these, uh, titles attributed, uh, to the two that we get. We, we can kind of see that there's some, some sort of rank or order about this. And then when we see in the New Testament, speaking of principalities and powers and, and dominions, like, that gives us again some ideas that there's some, some type of rank or order or structure or, or, or governance of some sort amongst these, these beings. So, Daniel, if you flip to chapter 8, um, we're going to look at verse 16. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Eli, and it, call, um, and it called Gabriel, Make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. So this is that's one place that we that we see a, a name to one of these beings given. We get uh, we get Gabriel um, in the book of Luke, chapter one. We see Gabriel show up again. Um, let's let's flip over real quick while we're here in Daniel. Let's flip over to chapter nine, verse twenty one. Uh, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at, at first, came to me in swift flight. So, like, if you were to think, like, when he's speaking of him, just like when they're speaking of the living creatures, he said it was like it had the, like, it had the appearance of a man, right? Like, that's, they're using the, like, language that, that makes sense to try to describe this. Um, but he came in swift flight, right? So that's a, that's an indicator that, that this Gabriel was not a, not a normal man in that sense, right? So uh, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at first came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. Um, so we see Gabriel name drop there again. And Daniel, Daniel, we see we see Gabriel and Michael both in this in this book. So if we flip over to chapter 10 uh, verses, uh, let's actually start in chapter 10 verse 10. Um, so one of the things that I want to get, like as we consider this, like we see a, a bit of it there when we looked at when Gabriel kind of first appeared. Something that we should get as well, and I, I think this should shape the way that we think about, like all of all of you, like if at some point said, like man, Satan really got at me today. Um, I would say, like it's probably doubtful that that was actually 
the named Satan, right? Um, because angelic beings are not, like, they're not omnipresent. They're not everywhere at all times. They have to go to and fro. They have to move here and there. Just like we have, like, we exist in a place and a time likewise um, that the angels do as well. They're not in all places at all times. So unless you're, like, super important on Satan's hit list, it's probably not him. It's probably one of the lesser one of the lesser ones, right? Um, how well, Landon? How would you like? What would make you think that? Is well, they can only be in one place at one time, right? Um, presidents of nations are probably more important than Landon in his job, so I'm probably not getting the the head guy coming after me specifically, right? Um, so, like, just let's let's be aware. Let's be aware of that. No. Influence the mind? Yes. Not in the same way. Not like like when we when I say that they can influence your mind in the same way that I can influence your mind, right? Not like they're like jumping inside you as a believer and right like now they've taken over control. Like like that's not happening for a believer, right? Like that's not happening for a believer. Yes. Like they know you. They're around it, right? Yes, like they see you, they know you, they're intelligent. It would be like if I could, if you didn't know that I was watching you at all times, I could know all of your secrets, I could see all the things, I could keep track of those things. You imagine like what the NSA can do when they know all your secrets. Now you imagine that there's these creatures that you couldn't detect, that you never know that they're around unless God specifically wants you to know. Like they can know your deepest, darkest, right? So, like, clearly that they could, they could, they could influence and manipulate, but they're not doing it. Like, they're not taking possession of you, right? Yes. Like, as a believer, like that should, like, like no, like the spirit that dwells in you is more power. Like, the spirit that dwells in you is the spirit that created all that exists, right? So, you're telling me that some that some lesser spirit's going to come in and and push that the Holy Spirit out? No, no, not at all. Not at all. They can influence your mind, right? They can influence your mind in the same way that we can influence one another's mind, right? Like we can we we can manipulate and we can be right because there's like the fallen especially, and we'll get into that next week a little bit more. Um, like they're out, they're out to manipulate, right? They're out to shape culture. They're out to you know to to have that type of influence. Um, but they're they're limited, right? They're created beings and they're limited um, in in where they are and where they can be. Verse ten. Um, verse 10 of chapter 10 here. Um, we're going to see Gabriel's name drop. We're also going to see like clearly that, they, that, that angels are in one place and one time. So, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now, for now I have been sent to you. So to be sent is to like, hey, you go here, right? Um, so he was in one place, now sent to him. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. He said to me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before, the Lord, before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So God's again sent. Um, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days but Michael so right so he's so this we get this picture where this angelic being is coming to minister yet is withheld so there's some spiritual like like 
like some existence exists, the spiritual where it still like has like like there must be a there must be a I'm moving from here to there in that in that existence as well, right? Because he didn't say like snap my fingers and poof I'm here. It's like I was with I was withheld. That's what. So the prince, verse thirteen, the prince of the kingdom of, of Persia withstood me twenty one days, but Michael, and this is where we get another name drop. This is Michael here. One of the chief princes came to help me, for I was for. I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand uh, what is to happen to your people in the latter days for the vision is for the days yet to come. So we get this again and we get we don't get a ton and I don't want to go a ton into speculation here about what that must be. But from what he said, he was on his way to him, was withheld, right? So there was some kind of struggle in the spiritual in the spiritual realm. Someone else came, Michael in this particular case. To help out so that he could then go. Like there's that's pretty there's some pretty cool stuff going on here. Um and, and this like I said, this is why it's super dangerous for us because we could very quickly get into to speculating here. But what that what that tells us is that they are in one place at one time and, and again from this particular text we get one other name. Um, so we get in scripture Gabriel and Michael and then we get the idea um, that Michael is one of the chief princes um, so there's some type of rank that we get a picture of, a glimpse into there um, as well. One thing that I will want to, and we'll mention this next week as well. Um, I want to go ahead. We're not going to get into the text today, but we will. Ju- we'll probably start here next week. Is the idea that we started off with in the beginning, like as we consider angels and some of the things that we see as we consider and as we reflect. I think scriptures is very clear um, that salvation is a gift to us by grace from God, and the fallen angels stand as an example of God's freedom in offering or withholding, as He chose not to spare the fallen angels. Right? The angels have not received the fallen angels have not received the grace that we have been given. It was not extended to them. God chose to extend grace to us, right? Like when we consider that the angels do the fallen angels do not receive that same grace, like we should be in awe that he would choose to show grace to us, right? Because again, like the angels show us clearly that he's not obligated to that. He's not he needed not extend salvation to one. And if he had extended salvation to one human, it would have been an amazing display of grace. Had he shown that to five humans, it would have been an astounding display of grace. And yet he has, in his wisdom, chosen people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And we know that he will succeed in that. We get a picture in Revelation where this kind of comes to fruition. That gathered around the throne of God as a people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue to worship him. And this is all of grace. This was an act of God's grace alone because he did not need to do that. So like if we ever feel like we're, we get a little uh, too like uh, up on ourselves, like we should consider that the, that the grace that we have been gra- the, the grace that we have been given, the angels themselves marvel at this grace. Right When we are in heaven singing songs about how God has saved us, these will be songs for us, right? Like an angel cannot 
sing in the same way that we can sing of God's grace towards us. Right? We will sing songs before God that the angels will lift up with us, but we will know the words of those songs because we've experienced that reality in a way that the angels only marvel at. Right? Um, so we'll kind of close out with that. We'll jump back next week um, on the demons and, and kind of start digging in on demonic work and Satan as well.